0: Would, you can be opening your Bibles to First John chapter two. I'll be looking there in just a minute. If you've read the sign as you come in, it was kind of an indicator that we'd probably be talking about First John chapter two and verse six, since that's what's on the, the sign is the title. But as you're turning there, let me just join in the welcome. And it's good to see everyone. We do have visitors, and we're glad you're here and welcome you be, to be with us at any time. If you have any questions of anything we do or anything that I say in the next Few minutes, please uh, bring it to our attendance, attendance attention, and we'll sit down and gladly talk to you about these things. First <clears throat> John chapter 2 and verse 6 says, He that saith he abides in him, ought to himself also walk, even as he walked. This verse here tells us that as children of God, those believers who have put on Christ in baptism... That we simply should walk as as Jesus walked. Uh, many other verses reaffirm this. 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1 says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 talks about when we put on Christ, we are created a new being. We are to walk in newness of life. Meaning we do not walk as we used to. We walk differently. We don't walk according to the world. We walk in a, in a different way. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2, <clears throat> verse 21. 1 Peter 2 and 21 says, For even here unto you are called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in His steps. Christ left the example for us in all aspects of life, uh, from compassion, humility, hospitality, Patience, kindness, the way He was able to teach, the way that He spoke. In all aspects of life, Jesus is the ultimate example. We know that we're supposed to be Christ-like. Everyone here that is a child of God knows that we are commanded to be like Him. But the problem that I've had that really prompted me to, to talk about this and study for my own benefit is that a lot of times I look at those outward displays of His character. The love, the patience, the kindness. And I think to myself, well, I need to to be more kind to others because Christ was that way. And for a series of time or for a a little bit, I'm more kind to others. But that kindly fades away. A lot of times we'll say, you know, I'm going to be more patient because Jesus was patient. And for a little bit of time, we're we're more patient. But over time, that patience kind of dwindles back away. The problem is that the walk with Jesus is not a one-mile run. It's not a short thing. That walk with Jesus is, as long as we're here on this earth, we're to walk as He walks. There's no time frame in that. It's an endurance thing. So in order to truly walk as... Jesus walked, we kind of got to figure out what drove him to do the things that he done. What caused him to be the way that he was. What caused him to be able to speak the way he spoke. What caused him to be able to teach. What was the core of why he did the things he done? Once we figure that out, then we can truly walk as he walked. That's what we're going to talk about tonight is following Jesus. And I got just simply, uh, Four things that I believe as I've studied this, and like I said, this is for my own study. It's kind of stemmed from our Sunday morning class about Christ being the example and the love and all that, trying to get there. It's been beneficial for me, and I hope it's a benefit to you. But just four things tonight. And if you came here expecting to hear some fancy something, something new, I had a few people ask me which comic book characters we're going to talk about. That's none of that tonight. This stuff is simple. It's very fundamental. It's so simple and it's, I mean, it's stuff that we know. But it's stuff that I overlook in my daily life. And it's very so simple that it's easy to overlook. So we're just going to bring these four things out tonight to kind of help us to truly walk as as Jesus walked. The first thing is to walk as He walked is we must love as He loved. If you could describe the the life of Christ in one word, I think it would be love. If somebody said, hey, Jesus Christ, one word, it would be love. We see that in two aspects. Number one, love for the Father. If you go to John 14, verse 31, it says, But the world may know That I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go. Christ loved the Father. We see that in the fact that He was the center of of His world, the center of His thinking. Everything that Christ did and said was all centered around God. His thoughts, His actions were all based around God being the center of it. Not only we see His love for the Father, we also see His love for mankind. Just a couple of the next chapter over in John chapter 15, in verse 9. As the Father hath loved me, so I loved you. Continue you in my love. Christ's love for man was shown in His daily walk of life, in His ministry, in His teachings. If you read the story of the things that He did, it was love he had true love for the father and true love for mankind his teachings his talkings his feeding people helping people healing people all that was driven by true love for others to walk as as he walked we got to love as the same way he loved ephesians chapter 5 First two verses. <clears throat> Ephesians 5 beginning in verse 1 it says, Be ye therefore fathers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savior. If you're going to hear that word a lot, walk. If we're going to walk like Jesus, then we have to walk in love. Love for God. Luke 10 and verse 27. Scripture that we all know by heart. Jesus tells us how to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. And our love for others. If you go to John chapter 13, <clears throat> verse 34. It says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. So there's direct command that love is essential in our lives. True love for the Father, true love for for others. But you go back to Luke ten with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. That's a humongous measuring tool. That's loving God with everything you got. And we all say that. we all, Everyone here says we love God. Everyone here says we love others. We love our neighbors. We love our, our brethren. But the issue that I think is that that word love is way overused in today's time. We use that L word just the drop of a hat. You go shopping with my wife. You go in the store. You see something and she's going to say, I love that. And you walk a few more feet, she's going to say, well, I love that. And she's going to look at me and say, well, I love you. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you, you, you've loved a lot of things in the last few minutes. What, what, What's, you know, take uh, teenagers. Sorry, teenagers. You're 15, 16 years old. You find somebody, the sparks fly for just a second, two hours later, I love her. No, you don't. I mean, it's just, that's we throw that love word around just at the drop of a hat. And the problem is, we kind of think that we do, but that's just a a surface love. What What I mean by that is, we think it's love and it's on the surface, but when you start scratching at it, you realize real quick that, well, that ain't love. Is the love that we say we have for God and for others, for our brethren, is that... The true love, where it's the center of our lives, where our thinking, our thoughts, our actions are provoked by what's best for others, that's true love. When we're willing to give ourselves up to do things for other people, that's when we know we love people. Or is it that, that surface love, uh, the rich young ruler kind of love, there in Mark 10 17 through 22. Remember the rich young ruler ruler comes to Jesus and he says, you know, good Master, what must I do to inherit life? And he says, well, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not commit murder, honor your father and your mother. And he says, well, I've done all that since I was a kid. You know, I can kind of see him thinking, I, I love the Lord. You know, I love other people. I love my parents. I wouldn't kill nobody then what does Jesus do? He starts scratching that, that surface. And He says, Alright, you love Me, well then sell everything you have and follow Me. What did He do? He walked away sorrowful. He says, because He had great possessions. Was the problem that He had great possessions? No, the problem is He didn't love the Lord. And if not careful, we can be in that same trap where we profess, profess to, to love God and to love others and you know, we're really doing it. But then when the surface starts to get scratched, we realize we don't really love nothing but ourselves. That kind of love is not what is talked about here. That's not the kind of love that, that Christ had in His life. True love for God was and others was just one of the things that, that drove Jesus. And We must develop that same kind of true love. So you're asking, you know, how do we do that? Well, it's simple. Through a developing relationship. You know, you fall more in love with your spouse over time. Why? Because you develop relationship. You spend meaningful time with one another. How do we develop that love relationship for each one in this room? So we spend time with each other. Through worship, we've talked about this on our Sunday morning class. We spend time with each other in worship. And just as important, we spend time with each other outside of worship. Developing relationships. And as we do that, we fall more in love with each other. And that's, that's the goal. That's how we do it with one another here. How do we develop with that relationship with, with God? It's the same way, by spending meaningful time with him. And we do that with our next two points, the next being, we must anchor ourselves in the Word of God. <clears throat> we find that through the gospels that the word of Christ, or the Word of God was Christ's foundation. I mean, we see that. Go to Luke chapter 2. <clears throat> We're going to find Christ here at a very young age already showing that the Word is, is so important to Him. Luke chapter 2, verse 42. It says, And when He was twelve years old, they went to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. So it's, it's, Christ is twelve years old here. His family goes back, and they, they've lost him. They come back. Verse 46, says, It came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. Verse 49, he tells them, you know, How is it that you sought me? You must know that I must be about my father's business. Verse 50, And they understood not the saying which he spoke, and he went... Down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject subject unto them, but his mother kept all these things in her heart, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in his stature and in favor with God and man. So even at a young age the word of God was very important to Jesus. We also see that in Matthew chapter four, verses one through eleven, when he's facing temptation. What does he do each time devil throws something at him? He returns it with, with scripture. It is written. Jesus knew that and understood the power of the truth. He knew that it was important. He knew that it was life-changing. He used every opportunity to teach those that He come in contact with. You know, as you study His his life there every day, He was teaching and spreading that truth. He made comments to the woman at the well about, you know, the the water that I give, you'll never thirst again. He knew that this was powerful, life-changing stuff. To walk as He walked, we must be devoted to God's words, just the same as He was. 2 Timothy 2.15, these are scriptures that we know by heart. It's a study to show ourselves approved. 2 Timothy 3.15, 16, 17, all scriptures given by the inspiration of God. It tells us that it's going to make us complete, it'll make us whole, make us ready to, to do His work. Do we see the importance, the power of God's Word? Are we anchored in Scripture? Do we see that during trials and temptations and struggles, confusion, heartaches, that God and His Word is the only thing that will stand the test of time? That everything else, material things, popularity, all those things are going to fail? That only God's Word will stand true? Are we sharing this truth? You know, we we understand it, we believe it, we know it's important. Are we sharing it with others? We've done had lessons from Cain and Josh and other people about you know the power of evangelism and what we're supposed to be doing. Or are, are we sharing this truth? I mean, think about Jesus in his daily walks. Every opportunity he was trying to teach. Are we doing that same thing? Are we are we teaching the way Jesus taught. We want to develop this love, this relationship. It takes study. It takes time in God's Word. And it takes the next point of having an active prayer life. We find in Scripture that that Christ prayed. Uh, Matthew 14 and 23 talks about that He went alone to pray. Uh, Luke 6 and 12. Says he prayed all night. Mark 1.35 says he rose early in the morning to pray. Matthew 26 and 39, as he was nearing death, what did he do? He prayed. If you study the life of Christ, you're going to find a man who prayed. He knew the importance of prayer. He knew the, how powerful it was. How important that relationship and communication with, with God was. How is our prayer life today? Do we see this as important? Do we understand that prayer is the building, the relationship with God, time talking to God, the peace that comes with that communication with God? Let's think about mine and Alicia's relationship. If we went weeks or days without talking, what kind of relationship would we have as husband and wife? Somebody come up and said, you know, how's yours and Alicia's relationship? It's great. We ain't spoken weeks. That don't make sense. I mean, everybody would think we're crazy. So why do we think that we can go weeks or days without communicating with God through prayer and study and expect our relationship to be okay? Somebody comes up and says, Hey, how's your relationship with God? It's it's great. Ain't spoke to Him in weeks. It don't make sense. To have an effective relationship, communication has to be there. That communication comes through prayer and through study meaningful study and meaningful prayer <clears throat> let us never you know take prayer for granted I think one of the biggest issues that I have in my life is when my life's good I'm going I'm you know everything's great and I don't pray like I should do you let me wake up tomorrow and be sick or a family member sick or some kind of an issue like that and the first thing I'm going to do is pray. That's not, that's not right. That's not fair to God. I mean, think about it. As, as a father with kids, you know, how would you like to go days or years or months without speaking to your children when they're having good ways, but when things go bad, first thing they do is come back and ask for help? Well, you wouldn't like that. So why would we want to do that with our father? Prayer is so important, but yet it's so easy to, to take it for granted. And this is the, the thought that always crosses my mind. is When you read that, you see that Jesus prayed without ceasing. We're told many times through the New Testament to, to pray without ceasing. And we can read Jesus' life and tell He lived by that. He, he prayed without ceasing. Folks, He was the Son of God. And He felt that prayer was so important for Him to pray like He did. How much more important is this for us to, to pray? He was perfect. He did no sin. We read that in 1 Peter chapter 2. He was the perfect Son of God, but yet He felt that He needed to pray like He did. How much more important is this for us to make sure that we have an active prayer life? If we're going to truly walk as He walked and do the things that he done and, and live the way He lived, we got to love the right way. we got to study and make God's Word our foundation, and we gotta pray like he prayed. Make prayer an active, an active thing. We're gonna find in just a second that all these other things add up. Finally, the last point is we must obey as he obeyed. <clears throat> Christ loved God. We've done talked about that. We've done brought verses up. He knew he was devoted to his word. He was devoted to prayer. And he was, that relationship caused him to, to want to obey go to uh, Philippians chapter 2 verse 8 we'll see how far that Christ was willing to to obey <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2 verse 8 <clears throat> Start in verse 6 it says who being the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, even to the death of the cross. You know how obedient Christ was? He was willing to leave God's side in heaven, be formed into a man, walk the earth, be mistreated, be abused, be made fun of, and ultimately He obeyed to the point that He was willing to go to the cross and be sacrificed for sins that He didn't commit. That's obedience. That's obedience. We have to obey that same fashion. That's obeying with with everything that that we have. Are we obeying God today? That's a question. Do we obey like Jesus did? That makes it a little tougher question. That same question can be asked on all these points. Do we love today? Yeah. Do we love like Jesus loved? Makes it a tougher question. Do we pray today? Everybody here is going to say, well, yeah. Did we pray like he prayed? Makes it a tougher question. These things kind of uh, add up like a, a simple equation. One plus one plus one equals three. As I was thinking about that, that's a lot harder to do than you think. You start throwing ones in there. One plus one plus one equals three. It's a simple equation. This is a simple equation. You take true love for God, and you add knowledge of His will, and you take an active prayer life and a relationship with God, what that equals? It equals obedience. That's simple. Uh, John chapter 14 and verse 15 says, If you love me, keep my commandments. Uh, 2 John chapter 6. It says, and this is love, that we walk after His commandments. This is the commandment that, as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. All those things add up to we should be obeying God. We can't say that we love God and we don't obey His commandments. It, just, it simply does not work. That's the only way that this equation works is, you know, true knowledge, true understanding of His will, plus that prayer and that relationship equals... Us wanting to obey. Which in return equals salvation. That's the that's the equation there. You take any part of that out, it, it don't work. You take the study and the praying out, well, you can't develop the relationship and the love you're supposed to be. You take the love out, well, you're not going to obey. You take the obedience out, well, you're not going to be saved. It all ties right in there together. That knowledge, understanding... That relationship with God equals true love, true love equals obedience, obedience equals salvation. and that's what we're all all trying to, to get here. We've got to be willing to obey when things are hard. We have to be willing to obey when we don't understand completely. Uh, when doing the right thing is outnumbered or unpopular, we have to obey. When God's word is in conflict with maybe family, friends, with our country, its laws, maybe it's in conflict with my own opinions, you know what I gotta do? I gotta obey. That's the kind of obedience that, that Jesus is talking about. <clears throat> Let's never forget what the opposite of obedience is. That's pretty simple. It's it's disobedience. And there's really only two areas here either you're obeying God. Or you're disobeying God. There's no gray area in between where you're kind of in limbo. You you know, we know what that is. Individuals that maybe understand, but ain't. There's no gray area. We either obey God, we disobey God. The uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. Seeing is a righteous thing with God to reconfigure tribulation to them that trouble you, to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. I am 100% positive that nobody in this room wants to fall into that verse of disobedience. I just have a hard time believing that anybody here wants to see our Lord in flaming fire taking vengeance—that's a scary picture. So are we? Are we? We obey. <clears throat> we have the command to to walk as He walked. In order to do that, we have to love as He loved. We have to make the Word our foundation. We have to pray as He prayed with an active prayer life, and ultimately, we have to obey as as Christ obeyed. That's how we walk with Him. That's how we truly walk as Christ walked. Are you a Christian here tonight? Have you been baptized? Have you put on Christ in baptism to to walk in this newness of life? If you haven't, then you have an opportunity tonight to to be baptized and to start walking as He walked in this new new path of life. Are you a child of God and maybe you haven't walked as you should have walked? You can make corrections tonight and, and... get things right and start walking the way that he did, following in the footsteps of Jesus. The main thing is, just for a second, think. If somebody asks you tonight, are you prepared for eternity? If that answer is anything but absolutely yes, then let's do what we do to do tonight to, to get it to yes. If it's maybe or I'm not sure or no, don't leave here in that condition because we're not guaranteed another minute. If you're subject in any way, please come as we stand and as we sing.